Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie Flinchball, author of People Solve Problems and host of the podcast by the same name. And here we are with episode one with my good friend, Andy Carlino. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing absolutely wonderful. It's always good to see your face. Oh, always good to always good to see you. So, um, so, so Andy, just for for an introduction, uh, he's a, a trusted advisor to to senior leadership of some of the the largest global organizations and in all sectors of industry. Uh, co-founder and managing partner of the Lean Learning Center, co-authored uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to Lean: Lessons from the Road, and contributing author of the SME Lean Handbook for Lean Certification. So, you know, bio I know pretty well since we've we share a lot of the same things. Um, I'll add, uh, you know, a, a, a friend, a brother, a mentor, a partner, uh, many things. Um, and, and you know, we spent a lot of time teaching and coaching and consulting together. Um, but, you know, a lot of that, uh, you know, was eight years old. So, um, you know, we've caught up a lot of times, but we don't talk shop a lot. So I'll, I'll be interested to see, you know, kind of how your thinking's evolved. Um, uh, as, as mine continues to, as well, as we talk about problem solving. So, so thanks for coming on episode one. I thought it was the only appropriate way to kick this off. Thanks for asking me. I'm, I'm really pleased that you did ask. Well, we've, we've made, created a lot of content together, um, classes and books. And so just, uh, what's, what's one little podcast between friends? Anything I can partner with you on, I don't care how little it is. I'm always there, man. That's 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 good for me. So, um, so you know, you've you've helped a lot of people build their problem solving capabilities. Um, and uh, again, we've both evolved our thinking as uh, since we used to teach together uh, many many times. But why don't you start, you know, walking me through how you think about a problem solving process from sort of beginning to end? What's your What's your structure? What's your thought? Uh, what's your pathway? And and if you don't mind, I'm going to get a little bit into the structure a little bit later. I know this is not a lengthy podcast, but a little bit later in the podcast. But I want to reinforce a couple of things. One is that I think if you actually investigated or looked at every lean tool there is, it's either going to solve and or it's either going to surface and or solve a problem. Now, I don't think you can find a tool that doesn't do one or the other or both. Mm-hmm. What that says is that's how important problem solving is. It's just critically important. In fact, I think today that rapid, effective problem solving is a significant competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. I really do. Forget all a lot of this stuff, but if you can uh, rapidly and effectively solve a problem, surface and solve a problem, you're going to be ahead of whatever the competition is because everybody's got problems. Yeah. I mean, there's no organization without problems. So this is why I think your book is so important because it's focused on that that single most important thing that lean addresses and the significant competitive advantage that problem solving uh, provides. But like in the book, you delved into the behavioral thinking side of problem solving and the structural part of problem solving. And I think there's barriers to both of those. And when we get to the structural, I'll talk a little bit about approach, but I did want to talk about the barriers to both behavioral and structural. Uh, I think the most behavior, you and I have talked about this, the most, the biggest barrier, behavioral barrier is we don't embrace problems as opportunities. We're embarrassed by them. No, don't tell me about them. I don't want to see them. Don't surface them. That's that's obviously thinking. That's just part of a a culture of an organization, one way or the other, right? Good or bad. 
Um, so I think that's that's probably the biggest barrier that starts from the thinking perspective, but it goes a little deeper. And we've talked about many times like how people use stories and opinions and and, and assumptions, and then they, we run with that. Mm -hmm. Well, in problem solving, the same thing. There's, pro there's, there's opinions and assumptions and stories that are used, and we take them as fact, all right? And then we react to that. And you and I have talked about direct observation since, you know, we broke together basically. Right. Um, but here's the challenge and here's the caution. And this is what I'm learning is that um, even though when there's a story, an opinion uh, or, or just an assumption and you say, look, you want to, and you challenge it, what happens is the individuals go out and they find the information that confirms what their idea was anyway, right. the confirmation bias. Right. So I've found often that I've almost got to double my efforts when people to tell their stories or make their assumptions or whatever it is. And we ask them, we challenge them to find the facts. And almost all the time, it's not quite the facts. It's it's what they have found, like I said, to confirm whatever idea they already may have. So right. this confirmation bias becomes a has become, I think, an issue in, in problem solving. Well, and, and, and I think probably a lot of contributors to that, including the fact that you know, research is so easy, right? Is that, you know, so if you can't find easily contradictory stuff, you know, you can dig a little further and, you know, because because you can just, you Google's your friend, right? Find yeah, something yeah. that confirms your, your bias. And yeah, I, I think I just said someone today, to someone today, it was an assumption that I thought I had, that I just wanted to check. And it turns out I was right. But I was like, I was saying, I've held this assumption for probably 20 years, but it's irrelevant how long you've held the assumption on how true it is, right? So it's just That's how right. long you didn't test it and challenge. It's just old. It's just old assumption, right? <laughs> that you haven't gone back to back to challenge. So, so I think that's I, I think that's a really important, uh, really important bias and 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 perspective because, you know, we, we we think problem solving is you know finding truth, right? And maybe, right? If we yeah, don't know, maybe is the right word. Yeah, finding the truth is not the easiest thing to do. And we think the first go around, we found it. Yeah, but you get like you get a push and push, uh, or else you end up in this kind of confirmation bias position after the stories and opinions and assumptions. So that's one of the, that's probably one of the single biggest barriers yeah. beyond beyond the most obvious. Um, the other another is as you know, and this is a thinking part is is workarounds, right? Just saying we're not going to stop. Right. We're, we're just going to we're gonna keep going. We're going to keep working around the problem without, I mean, I'm really consciously even recognize most of the time the working around the problem. And I understand fully that, hey, sometimes you have no choice. You're going to work around. It. You're not going to always stop. But you should always think about stopping, because if you think about stopping, then at least you'll surface whatever the problem is, rather than just work around it. And it just comes back again the next time. Right. So I've, you know, I've told a lot of clients, look, I know. For me to say stop is completely foreign to you. Mm -hmm. But for me to say, when you think you should stop, at least expose the problem, shouldn't be foreign to you. That should be part of just what the culture is all about, right? Yep. Workarounds are evil. And, and I, I think this is one of those things that organizations have gotten worse at through the pandemic, because they're like, just put your head down and power through, right? And, but, but, you know, we don't flip a light switch and we're through <laughs> supply chain disruptions and inflation and staffing shortages. It's not like this hard stop. 
So it's really like we've developed this habit and organizations aren't checking themselves going, yeah, maybe we should return to pulling our head up and not working around problems. But, you know, again, that, 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 that pandemic response is put your head down and plow through. And I think some bad habits formed as a result. Yeah. And as you know, I have in the past and currently working with yacht builders. So yachts, just a big floating mansion. That's, that's all it is. Right. It's a big construction project. Right. right. And I've never, you can never see as many walk, walk, workarounds as you will uh, in building a yacht because I can't do this. I don't have this particular material or this step has to come before that. And that, that isn't ready. So they work around all this stuff. It's like, building your home and you put the the drywall up and say whoops i gotta go back now and put the plumbing in yeah i think that happened when my house was first built so yeah yeah <laughs> i had drywall but i don't have the plumbing so i'll put the drywall up. right um so you know when working with with these yacht builders one of the things i said look it's a complex it's an extremely complex process i mean ridiculously complex so to try to say we're going to go into process improvement and break it up i mean it would be nuts so all i said to them was look at the handoffs just look, look at every handoff as a problem because it's either going to cause you a delay or you're going to make a mistake. So yep. let's just start there. And if we can eliminate the handoffs or at least error-proof the handoff, all right, we're 100% ahead. Right? Without having to go through all of the, you know, let's do the thousand process maps and all that kind of stuff. Right. So that's been effective in dealing with the workaround, a little bit of the workaround stuff. The other, the other thinking I think is, is that we reward the big problem. I've told you this, you know this. In my career before consulting, I grew pretty fast up through the career because I solved problems, right? I was a problem solver. Now, I, I don't say I was an effective problem solver, but I was a problem solver. So I got rewarded for that. You know, I moved up the ladder, you know, promotions, got all this stuff. But these are big problems and not everybody can solve big problems. So what do we do? We don't value the small ones. We don't value the little ones. Nor do we, and we'll get into this in a minute, have the capability of even dealing sometimes with those small ones, servicing those small ones. So I think part of that thinking behind problem solving is, you know, you, know, you don't need this complex, you know, really enormous problem. And that's the only time you're going to focus on problem solving. No, value the smalls. And one small can make a huge gain. Yeah. A lot of smalls can make a really huge gain. So I, I, that's, that is a huge, huge issue, I think. And then lastly, from a thinking perspective is, and this is where we, why we've done this direct observation for all these years is don't wait for a negative consequence. Don't wait for something bad to happen. Mm -hmm. And now you're problem solving. Yeah. Go out and look for the problems. Go out and look for where there is a gap between what is occurring and what you expect. And then do your problem solving there. Yeah, nothing negative happened. There was no negative consequence. Nobody got hurt. No customer's angry, right? But there's a problem there. Yep. Fix that. And the likelihood is you're not going to have that bigger problem down the road. And I don't think, I don't, most companies that I know do not actually go out and physically look for problems. They just wait for them to come to them. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of organizations are talking about resilience, right? Supply chain resilience and things like that, popular word right now. But, you know, resilience is exactly that. It's solving problems before they have an impact, not waiting for them to have an impact and then reacting, right? So, so I think, you know, people don't recognize that connection. So they're talking about resilience. They're not actually doing the right behavior. I think the other thing going back to some of your other points around starting before problems become, you know, a real problem is it's a lot less emotion evolved. Mm -hmm. involved. So, 
even the things like that confirmation bias, it's like, well, nobody's to blame because we don't have a bad outcome. So maybe I can relax a little and challenge my assumptions. So right. I, I think a lot of some of the bad behaviors get easier. They're not, they don't go away. They just get easier if we don't have the added burden of something bad having already occurred. Right. So that's kind of behavioral barriers, if you would. Yep. But as we said earlier, there's, there's structural barriers too. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a process to solving problems and there's barriers to that. And we've talked about how it's impossible how it's difficult to anybody make a problem statement. Right. And I just I just got 13 problem statements from two teams. <laughs> One was good. <laughs> two, were, two were okay. The rest were horrible. Horrible. Yeah. And they had been through some problem-solving training. Right. People just do not know how to write a problem statement. Um, so if you can't get that right, as you know, and I'm you've got that in, in the book, I'm kind of repeating stuff a little bit. But if you can't get that right, then the rest of it's just foolhardy. You'll yeah. be if you do get come up with a solution, it's just pure luck. Yeah. Right. It's just by chance that you made it. So, you know, when you're writing a problem, people don't recognize that it describe the problem and define the problem. What, where, and when. And here's the here's the challenge of finding is. The what is, if they even start describing it, the what is okay. Mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 the where is typically okay, but the when is often not in the problem statement. I mean, I could have a problem that only occurs at nine o'clock in the morning on Thursdays. Mm -hmm. And if that's not in my problem statement, I'm going to have a real difficulty figuring out how I'm going to get to my solution. Right. So the what, where, and when, the when is almost always missed. Uh, yeah. I see that happen all the time so problem statements require those three things and the win is like i said but part of the problem statement is all, part of the problem statement also is not just describing it but defining it what's the gap right and, uh, and this is this is what when i've been doing some problem solving training is if you cannot measure the outcome after you've done working on this problem then you didn't define it to start with right right it's as simple as that. So, yeah, and, and it could be a binary state. It could be a one zero, right? This is either right. true or not true. Um, but you can still confirm, right? Zero or one, right? That's your that's your measure. But uh, otherwise, and 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 sometimes people don't, you know, they don't know how to measure it. They don't know how to evaluate it. They may not put in a permanent measure, but you know, make that part of your work. Maybe you start working on the problem before your problem statement is you know, well measured, right. right? But that's part of the work then is you got to figure that out because otherwise you're just, you're just kind of going, do I feel better <laughs> as your, your way to conclude? And problem statements should be fluid to some extent, right? Yeah. As you learn more, right? As you investigate more, your problem statement is going to morph. Yep. Right. So thinking that once I've got my problem statement, that's it is foolhardy. Yeah, right. That's, that's part of being being not being very good at writing a problem description. Yep. Um, the other another structural difficulty I find is that culturally we would like to have everybody be a problem solver, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I wish everybody should every day should solve problems. Well, that's stupid. That's unrealistic. If you think every single every single person can master complex problem solving, because they can't. It's you know, and I know. There's probably no more, no more difficult skill to master than problem solving. It is really, really hard to do. So to expect everyone in the organization to be able to do that 
just makes no sense whatsoever. However, it does make sense that everybody should have a structure that helps make them a problem solver, mm -hmm. right? There must be, there's levels of problems, there's degrees of problems. You don't use the same process for every single problem. And if you have those degrees and those levels, you can drive problem solving all the way down to the lowest level of the organization, Yep. right? Because you have a different structure to use for a different type of problem. So, you know, the, the first issue I always come up with is what is the what is the impact and the ease of solving this particular problem? And if it's really difficult problem, then guess what? We're off doing the good old complex A3s. You know, there's what, 100 models of those things. If you Google it, God help you, they're going to find everything. But I expect everybody to be able to master a complex A3, a comprehensive A3 for a complex problem just makes no sense whatsoever. So by looking at both the impact and the ease, you say, well, this is, this is complex. Mm -hmm. And we got, we had only so many people that can facilitate through a complex problem. But then there's the simple problems where I kind of know what the problem is. I'm not sure what the root cause is, right? But I know I got to do a little bit of root cause analysis. I know I got to take a little deeper dive. Okay. So there's a simple A3, if you would, takes out a lot of the stuff and just kind of, but gives them steps. Follow this step, that step, stick to the steps. So that brings in a whole nother group of people. And then you got to just do it. Right. right. I know what the problem is. I know what's causing the problem. I know how to solve it. Mm -hmm. Right. The only issue with the just do it is make sure you document it. Yeah. So that's so there's a there's a there's a structure for that as well. So um when we talk when I think we talk about problem solving structure, we get too tied up into these these comprehensive complex problem solving models when there's some very simple things that we could do, models that we could use at different levels of the organization that makes everybody a problem solver. Right. And, 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 and that's, you know, I, I think it has to relate to, uh, you know, what information you even have available to you, right? Because if you're, if you're working on the front lines, you probably don't have a lot of market research available to you, right? It's not going to be, in, you know, why would you interact with that? It's not part of your role. Right. And and so so and then the other side of that is what are the degrees of freedom of what you're what levers you're allowed to pull? Right. So if, if again, if you're in the front line, you might not be allowed to go redesign the product. Right. So so don't go work on that because that's probably outside your 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 boundaries of of empowerment. And so. You know, just like at the other end, doing strategic problem solving, right? Uh, strategic A3s, massively complex, many different pathways, right? But, well, who's who's going to be empowered to go change and shift the strategy? Well, not not a whole lot of people. So why should they learn that learn that skill, right? And and it's it's sort of a false empowerment in, at that level. Right? We're gonna yeah. we're gonna teach you complex problem solving, but not give you access to perspective data uh, or or levers to, to go make solutions work to make that complex problem solving actually beneficial. Right. So in, in the complex one, it's pretty often cross, very cross-functional. As you right. get in the simple one, it's very functional. And if you just do it, it's very specific. Yep. Almost, you know, so again, I don't, I don't, it hasn't been my experience that companies really have those kind of structures in place, all right? And then define 
okay, if this happens, whatever matrix they, you know, what they want to use for ease and, and impact, say, okay, this one, this is a pretty simple one. This is a very complex one. This is like, just go do it, right? right. Forget about it. Just get it done and document it, that kind of stuff. If you have that, now you can make, you can engage everyone. You can yep. get everyone to be a problem solver. And then another barrier is, and, and I love in reading the book, and I, I kind of reread some of the stuff here before this, our little conversation, um, is you a couple of times mentioned you don't have a real bias for the language, like current state versus future state, uh, future state versus ideal state, or I think it was solutions versus countermeasures. I, I don't remember them all, but um, but I'm a huge ideal state fan. Mm-hmm. And I and I believe that by focusing on the ideal state, what you do is you will identify additional problems because you'd already be at the ideal state. I mean, these companies aren't stupid, right? You know, they don't have res- they have the resources. They would be there if there wasn't something stopping them, right? Right. So by exposing to an ideal state, what you do is you expose the barriers, and then you start each one of those barriers, maybe more than one, is a problem. It gives you the future state, then another progressive future state, another progressive future state. So I really like a focus on ideal state. Now that I'm, it's a prejudice of mine, as you well know, um, and it's not hard. People think it's oh, it's so difficult to do. No, it isn't. It's a bunch of bullet points. <laughs> it's really easy to do, but when you do it, it exposes so much more opportunity to having these progressive future states, if you would. Yeah, no, I love that. That's. Probably a good point for us to end on just because, you know, I'll say that that ideal state thinking, you know, challenges people to think, think better, think deeper about what good looks like. Right. And and just as you said, exposes new problems, but also I think also adds some inspiration to what's possible. And that, you know, it's a good point. Problem solving is hard. Right. And sometimes we need a reason to go through it. (laughs) And. And if there's something better on the other side, it might be might be just just enough worth it to go through all that hard work problem solving. So yeah, thanks for thanks for sharing your thoughts. Um, you know, you you and I usually we would we would get to talk shop mostly when we were creating stuff, right? I think we were both very pragmatic. We didn't we didn't go create stuff just for the heck of it. So whether we're writing a book or designing a class or working on a client project, that's that served as our joint inspiration to, to create. So here we come together again for a podcast. So I don't create stuff just for the heck of it. I'm just too lazy to do that. <laughs> it's a good enough reason too. So, <laughs> well, I'm glad, uh, glad we could do some creation together. Uh, thanks for, thanks for joining me and um, I wish you, wish you all the best. And always to you and, you, uh, and the beautiful family, Jamie. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the People Solve Problems podcast. Let's keep the conversation going. Visit jflinch.com for more episodes and other content. And continue to join us on your podcast app, of course. We greatly appreciate your feedback through reviews and ratings. Consider expanding your understanding of problem solving with Jamie's book, People Solve Problems, The Power of Every Person, Every Day, Every Problem. Available on Amazon. Until next time, keep learning, innovating, and solving problems.